What's up, everybody? Straight out of Fresno podcast, episode eight. Uh, thank you guys for tuning to another episode again. I appreciate all your support on all on all of our platforms so far. Uh, we got two special guests. Uh, we got from State of Murder podcast. We have Selena Cooper and we have Amber Ratzleff. How are you both doing? Good, good. Yeah, just good. making it through the bad air quality one day at a time. <laughs> Right, right. I know. I, I went outside last night and it was worse, I think, than it's ever been. Uh, like the visibility wasn't even that far. So it's, yeah. And you can, you can feel it. You can feel it in your lungs. It's, it's just a terrible feeling. Terrible feeling. Yeah, it is. It's been rough. Yeah. Nothing like breathing in some ash. Yeah. <laughs> right. Seriously. Seriously. Yeah. It's not, not a good look at all. Not a good look at all. Especially in the Valley where, you know, so many people have asthma or respiratory issues. It's, yeah, it's mm-hmm. rough. All right. Well, uh, well, yes. I mean, let, let's talk State of Murder podcast. Um, I've been tuning in since you guys have initially started. Um, I think it's I think it's fun. I think it's you know entertaining. I think it's uh, informational as well. So I, I I definitely appreciate it. But let's talk about State of Murder first off. What is State of Murder podcast? So we love true crime. Uh, it was something that came to us. We listened to a lot of true crime podcasts and we were like, Hey, we're funny. Like we could do this. <laughs> like we like talking about it and doing the research. So we just kind of decided, yeah, let's take this seriously and let's yeah. plan it out. Yeah. So, Selena and I worked in the same office at two different jobs and it was just us for months on end doing very little. And so <laughs> I think that's what it's done from is just building on like just our little chats and then mm-hmm. going, Hey, maybe this would be interesting for other people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think find, finding that core interest is um, crucial, obviously to have two people, you know, join, join on a podcast to talk about it. Um, but where does that intrigue for a true crime come from for both of you? Okay. Um, I think mine started, I was fairly young, so I've always been in, like, just obsessed with mobsters, and I'm, I'm totally into history, so uh, that's where I got my first degree in, was history, and so kind of, like, finding out, like, what's happened in the past and how history keeps repeating itself, and so I, when I was 13, we actually did a case, we did the case, I'm from Nebraska, and so we did the case, uh, Charles Starkweather, and it was a t- it was a made for TV movie that I watched of that story, and I just was totally drawn in. And as we talk about in that episode, a little attracted to him. And so it was kind of weird as this thirteen year old to be like, "Oh, this mass murderer is kind of like hot." <laughs> So after that, like I just would, any case that I found interesting, I would just kind of read on it and just be really engaged in it. And so my parents were freaked out for a really, really long time about it because they're like, is this a normal thing? But as you see in the world today, it is pretty normal that people are into true crime. Yeah. And I think for me, I mean, growing up in Fresno, uh, I think in middle school, I was in middle school around the time of the Marcus Wesson case that we did in our very first episode. And that was kind of what sparked it too, of the idea of doing these lesser known true crimes, because I mean, Marcus Wesson was such a big news thing around Fresno and like, you couldn't really get enough of like what happened and the weird twists and turns the case took. And So for me, it was like, how have I never heard about this on any of the other podcasts we listen to? Like, you don't really hear about it even now. And it was probably, it was like a huge mass murder and a huge tragedy and all of these things happened. And so, yeah, so we just, that was my intro to true crime. And ever since then, it was like serial killers, monsters, Mm -hmm. any kind of true crime, I was there. So 
Right. And, and we'll get back to Marcus Wesson in a second, because I did enjoy and appreciate that that was your like first episode. Um, obviously, you know, growing up in Fresno, born and raised, that was a, like you said, we covered that like literally every single day on the news. And it was always kind of like, what's the next update? So we'll get back to that a little bit. But let's focus on the intrigue around true crime, because uh, Amber, just like you mentioned, it's not just you. It's a lot of people, you know, all, all around the U.S., all around the world in general. Um, what are what's your theory about um you know people's natural like instinction to just enjoy true crime stories why do you think that that's such a hot a hot button i think it's and and maybe because of my psychology background it's just so interesting to me what makes people do these things and how do we get from like a to b basically like how do we come from being innocent children to all of a sudden growing up to be these kinds of criminals and so just really like the why behind it like what is it happens because in a lot of our cases that you look at there was a lot of trauma in the background of the perpetrators of these crimes and i think it was the louisiana episode with my case we talked about it where I mean, technically, I looked at it as two victims because the perpetrator, he was a victim with PTSD and he came back and he did really terrible things. Mm -hmm. But you took, I almost, it was hard for me to look at him solely as a perpetrator of this crime because of all of the things he had gone through and what led him and the lack of care and, and all of these things. So I think it's just interesting for people to look at tiny little changes in your own timeline could have ended up with a completely different result in how you behaved, I guess. <laughs> so that's my theory. Yeah, I, I, I go with that too. And also I think people just like that kind of horror genre and kind of macabre things. And so you have this kind of darkness and the fact that it's out there. So it kind of is scary that it could happen to anybody and that draws you in, I think. And just the unknown and also you see horror films and you're like, okay, oh, that can't happen in real life. And then you hear these stories and you're like, oh shit, it can really happen in real life. And also worse than a lot of horror stories. And so I think that's what really draws people in. Yeah, no, I think, I think definitely that possibility that this is real, people hone in on that. Like when you hear about Texas Chainsaw Massacre and it's based mm -hmm. on a true story, it's like, wait, 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 like, yeah. okay, this could possibly happen. Could, you know, another episode ultimately happen somewhere else, you know, around the U.S. So I think yeah. that people do hone in on that possible reality. And I think for the most part, we as humans, we do want to kind of relate to a situation. So if it's something that's so bizarre and so unknown, I think it kind of sparks our curiosity and we're like, could we find ourselves in that situation? Oh, wow. How could, you know, a murderer, we want to know their backstory. We want to know what led to them getting to that point. I think when we realize that sometimes their childhoods were similar to ours, it's like yeah. because like one or two things could have just completely thrown us off of the rails similar yeah. to you know, some of these murderers so uh yeah i think we you can go on and on about it and obviously selena with your you know with your uh both of your psychology backgrounds you yeah. know more than i do um, <laughs> it's just intriguing to you know theorize about the about the whole thing and why why it's just so popular you know amongst mm -hmm. you know pop culture so yeah definitely um so, so far, what has been the, your favorite, I guess, without being insensitive, what's been your yeah. favorite state that you have researched cases on? Oh, I don't know. I feel like I had a few good cases yeah, throughout. Absolutely. I mean, Louisiana was definitely an interesting state to do because, like I said, it was one of those where they were kind of both victims in that. And it was 
probably by far my most gruesome case, which like I said, I mean, I don't want to be, it's just interesting to talk about. Like it's such a straight out of a horror movie type thing uh, that for me, Louisiana was definitely, Louisiana and Utah, I think where I did the high five murders. That one was pretty intense too. Yeah, I um, I don't, I'm trying to think of a, a favorite. I, since I really like history, I think probably my favorites were for me, Oklahoma, um, just because both of our cases were historical and both are very, um, marginalized populations. And so having that opportunity to tell stories of, um, African-Americans and Native American Indians and horrors that happened to them. I think I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed researching that case. Uh, but I would say probably the funnest case was for me, um, when was it when Ken McElroy and the vigilante justice of a whole town that ended up killing him because he was just a town bully. Um, and like, even though there, we don't know who the murderer specifically is, it's just kind of like that uprising of we're not going to take it anymore. And how can a town get to that point? And it could we get to that point? So I think that that's probably one of my, I'm going to say funnest cases. Yeah. Because really the bad guy is the one that ended up dead. <laughs> right. And it's, and it's interesting just to kind of go over the format of how, of how you, you know, do your episodes. Uh, you typically do, you know, two per state, you know, a state for an episode. Um, so how do you decide, uh, Selena, I'm going to do this case for an episode. Amber, I'm going to do this case for an episode. I mean, obviously you have such a wide, you know, array of selection. Yeah, so I think it's more, now that we're getting into states that we haven't really been to or know a whole lot about, it's really just doing deep dive Google searches. We really want to try to do not just like lesser known, but maybe less reported on cases, which sometimes, which is I think why it works well that we each do a case, because sometimes Mm -hmm. our stories can be a little short because we can only find so much, but it's really deep dive. I try to go to like, fifth sixth page of google searches to find things or look up different types of terms specific cities that i know of to try Mm -hmm. to find things that weren't typically covered and it's really just i read through an article if it sounds like something that should have been more reported on or something that just there's something interesting about it or a special twist that Mm -hmm. i want to talk about or even i think lately um, a lot of our cases have political leanings to it. So talking about, or like hot button topics, talking about the criminal justice system, police brutality, talking about, like Amber said, with Oklahoma, that was a really powerful episode for us because these were such huge events, like the Osage Indian Massacre and the Tulsa Race Massacre. And these are things that we never really learned about in school and never talked about. So, I mean, just, it was something interesting for us, something that we can have more of a discussion about is what helps me yeah so i i'll read and i so i love reading i'm an avid reader so if i can find a book on something even though i i try to always do a case i've never heard about it two times i have three times because i've known about the lesson case and then states that i've lived in so uh two of those cases um i obviously knew about but other than that i try to be like have i heard about this story and since i do listen to a lot of true crime i've followed true crime for a really long time if i haven't heard about it i'm like okay probably the majority of the people that are listening haven't heard this story and so then i'm gonna share it so that's kind of how i pick it yeah and i and i think that that's very important because i remember from the first episode i think you both kind of 
you know, reaffirmed, hey, we're not doing the well-known cases, we're not doing the popular ones. You know, you could do a simple Google search, first two results are gonna tell you pretty much 90% of what you need to know. So mm -hmm. I think on the underrepresented cases or the lesser known ones uh, is pretty crucial. Um, Amber, going back to the uh, Oklahoma episode and talking about, you know, like the Tulsa uh, race massacre, for example, you know, that does have a historical standpoint. And I think not knowing those things does kind of play into how the world sees, you know, issues of race and discrimination today, you know, just because of simple, you know, misinformation or just not being informed at all, you know, on these topics. Uh, how do you guys, you know, perceive that? I mean, I just, I think we, I, yeah, I think we talk, yeah, and, and we mention it and talk about it that uh, media picks ones that they think everybody is going to have a draw to. And so, and sadly, that typically is, you know, white women, mm -hmm. um, blonde white women that are attractive, cute little white kids that are going missing. Um, and so, it just, it's, it's such an unfair thing in our culture that that has become such a real reality that so many people don't get their stories told. So even with Selena's story that she told for this last week's episode for Illinois, I mean, that's a terrible, sad story about this little boy. And I didn't hear I never heard about that. Yeah. And, and I think we drew comparisons in that episode as well. Like here was this young African-American boy who died in this very tragic way and didn't get the justice that he deserved. Whereas we never heard about it and we spent, I think we heard about it for weeks about the little boy who tragically wandered into where alligators were in Disneyland or Disney World and he was eaten. And yes, that's a tragedy and it's upsetting, but I mean, we know what happened. Mm -hmm. It was a tragic accident. Yes, be sad about it, but there's something that maybe more outreach might have helped this young boy in Chicago find justice or I just felt like there should have been more reported on. And so those kinds of cases we want to bring light to because, I mean, they're important. People need to hear about them. Yes, we don't want our news feed being tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, but some of these do require more attention and they should be heard about. Right, right. And I think a lot of the um, cases that you guys have talked about typically end up in some sort of resolution, you know, via the criminal justice system and, okay. hey, you know, someone was found guilty of it or whatever the case is. Uh, how do you guys feel about cold cases and investigating cold cases? Because those, you can kind of almost get into conspiracy theories, you know, um, just because there is no end. We can't safely assume mm -hmm. or safely believe that, yes, this is the end result. You know, John Doe did this and you know, led to this. Yeah. And I think we have done a few, um, about like missing women. I know I did one about the missing women in Missouri that kind of, they have an idea of who might've done it, but there's no way to prove it. And, and it's mm -hmm. hard, I think for us in terms of like, we just don't, we don't know. And it's, it's hard. We can do as much research as we want, but we know just about as much as everyone else. So I think using our podcast as a platform as well of saying, hey, we have listeners all over. If you do know something about this or if this sparks some type of memory for you, report it, send mm -hmm. in your tip lines. I mean, I'm, we've referenced a couple tip lines that can help out. Um, yeah. And with cold cases, you know, it's a cold case for, you know, the police, but it's not a cold case for the families typically that, you know, have had their either their loved one's missing or has been murdered and they found the body. And so 
it's not, it doesn't end for them. And even though, especially once if they find the body, it's like, yes, they know what happened necessarily to her, to the victim, but then it's like, you still want to know. And then also the scary thought of those people are all still out there. And you take a look at, you know, the golden skate killer. So we talk about, we don't, we never shared his story, but he's one that's always in the news. He was just in the news this week. Um, and so that was a cold case for 40 years and they didn't even know, like California didn't even know it was the same person. So they had, you know, the, the rapist and then the murders and they were all over like central California and nobody even linked them for decades. And then it turned out to be one guy and you're like, holy crap that. And so all these cold cases got solved with just this one man. It's just like, oh, yeah. we talk about familial DNA and has helped solve a few of the cases that we've talked about. And so just bringing that more into light, I know mm -hmm. we promoted, I think with the Angie Dodge case, and there was another case that was familial DNA that you had mm -hmm. where we talked about, hey, if you want to do one of those ancestry 23andMe things, you can check a box that lets your DNA get inputted into this database that mm -hmm. could help solve a case because somebody like way removed from your family line could have committed this crime because that was the case with Angie Dodge's cases. Mm -hmm. They almost got the wrong guy, but it turns out it was like, I think it was like three times removed from his family. They just happened to share DNA and it wasn't reported. So mm -hmm. he actually made a documentary and like deep dove in it with her mom and they found her killer years later. And so, yeah, just encouraging yeah. our listeners to... Although then the scary part with that is also is like, okay, if I put my DNA in and then all of a sudden I'm, my family is linked to a murder that, oh my God, but it's so effective. Yeah, there's always that to think about as well. Um, you know, the aspect of DNA, I think is so intriguing because had we had, you know, DNA or I guess DNA, you know, testing and stuff be so prevalent as it is today, just think about how many unsolved murders would have been solved you know at this at that point of time back then um a lot of cases you know were kind of able to lean on i guess a little more um what, what am i trying to say um a little less substantial you know evidence mm -hmm. you know enough but still be enough to convict because you don't have all these other outlets to where you can almost you know to 99 percent you know conviction you know believe that this person committed the crime that you know they're being accused of so um i think that's really played a huge part in you know, a lot of unsolved, you know, murders that are mm -hmm. still out there and things like that. I and mean, we kind of even hear about things nowadays where, uh, just like with the Golden State Killer, oh, wait, that was the same person. We were now able to find that out, but we mm -hmm. couldn't, you know, back in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s about that. So I think yeah. that, that's pretty cool. So uh, let's talk about your research, because uh, you guys, I appreciate the level of research that you guys put into it. Um, it's not just a simple, let's pull up the Wikipedia page, and we're just going to read off of the Wikipedia page. I mean, we're talking, you guys go through, you know, court case files, if they're available, you go through books, um, you go through, you know, pages and pages of, you know, news outlets and videos and stuff like that. So um, talk about, you know, that research, how much time and energy that you guys put into finding information about these cases? Uh, I think it depends sometimes, like, so for the Marcus Weston case, because that was our first one, and because we kind of, I mean, we're new to podcasting, so we kind of took our time with getting that case done, is that took a few, like, weeks of research. I read a book, and I think I skimmed through two, or I skimmed through another one, read mm -hmm. one complete one. Um, I know we looked at news articles, so I would say anywhere from like 
a week to even just a few days of like Mm -hmm. straight up 24 hours is what we're doing. We're just like cramming and researching article after article. Um, We definitely Google if we can find court cases just because that you'll notice as you look through stuff. And we mentioned it a few times as well. Like we try not to repeat things that are only found in one article. Like if they mention it in a few, then we'll talk about it. Because things get so twisted. I've read court cases and then looked at the news article and I'm like, that is not at all like the timeline (laughs) of what happened. But I mean, it's kind of like the game telephone is over time things get changed and people interpret it on their own. So that way they're not plagiarizing and little details get changed. So, Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when you are talking about murder, the only one that really has any information to share is the murderer. And so it's like, how much do you put stock into what they're actually saying occurred? And so I always am very like straightforward on, okay, this is what they reported. I don't know if this is true, but we're going to give their side of the story. Um, Sometimes I, in the, well, two weeks ago, when I started like looking into the alt-right. And so when you get into these cases and you find so much information, it kind of sometimes splits you off into directions that you never anticipated. Cause I don't know anything about the alt-right cause that's not something I ever really wanted to know about. <laughs> and so, but I needed to, because I wanted to understand what drove this man to commit the Sikh massacre. And so it was like, okay, so I'm gonna look into that and where he started getting his ideas. And so I had to figure out, because there's sometimes when you're like, oh, I have no idea even what this is or what this means, what is this group? And so that's when you have to really start diving even deeper so that you can report and share some some information that people probably don't know. Yeah. Right, right. And I definitely appreciate your perspective of acknowledging, you know, different points of view, you know, regarding a, a case. Because just like you said, you know, most of it does come from, you know, the murderer or whatever the murderer has divulged. Um, you don't always get to hear, you know, different points of view from other potential suspects or from, you know, the victim themselves or survivors or, you know, uh, family members of the victims, things like that. So you guys do approach a lot of those different angles. And I like how it ultimately comes down to a, hey, this is us reporting the facts. This is, you know, us reporting different perspectives. It kind of like leaves the listener to just say, you decide, you know, you do your own research as well and kind of figure out where you stand on this issue. So mm-hmm. I think that is definitely pretty cool and how you guys approach that. Um, so let's go back to Marcus Wesson, because I think that that was one that, uh, Selene, like you said earlier, that jarred the entire community. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate that episode because you guys taught me a lot of things that I never heard on the news before, you know, regarding that case. Um, in a nutshell, the news kind of just stuck to like the cliff notes, ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, under the case. And we just wanted to know if he was going to be guilty or not. Um, so I think that was definitely, that was definitely cool how you guys approached a lot of those uh, different facts and presented new things, uh, new information to people that, you know, I guess I can say I lived through it, you know, having yeah. been in during the time. But um, how, what did you guys learn about that case? I know, Amber, obviously you're from Nebraska, but you've been in Fresno for quite some yeah, time. Yeah, I, I had lived in Fresno. I moved actually that year that it happened. So that was like one of the very first news things that happened when I moved to Fresno. And then I was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> back or, you know. So I was like, okay, what's this? What's, what's, what's this? What is this? So um, I'm trying to think something new. So I was in middle school, so I was kind of going off what was in the news or newspapers at the time. And like you said, they really didn't, I guess, do it justice or talk too much about the details. And we talk about it in that episode as well. Like, why wasn't there as much interest mm-hmm. in the whys behind stuff? Because there was a lot of weird things like 
um, I think the whole idea of like the vampire writing, like changing the Bible, that was an interesting thing that, cause we looked at it as like, okay, it's this case of murder and incest and like that on its own is very shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of the religion behind it and the fact that like kind of their inspiration there was interesting. Cause I had heard about the coffins, but the actual reasoning of like, the funny thing was the coffins had nothing to do with the vampire stuff. He was just rebuilding the bus and they were going to yeah. be cheap wood <laughs> to make seats in the bus. And so I was like, but you didn't spin it. Cause you're yeah. like vampires, coffins, that's where they sleep. All that. Not at all. That's <laughs> they had like clothes in there when yeah. they, police entered the house. So that was kind of an interesting thing that, that had I, nothing to do with I think for me, I like the 911 response and the 911 operator and like just kind of like when they were calling and it was a domestic dispute and they were pretty much just saying, oh, this person is blowing it up and what's happening there isn't a big deal. And so it took them a lot longer to respond than maybe they should have. And what could have happened if there would have been that quick response. And so I don't think that that, I think that's glossed over a lot in the media because we don't want to, we don't want to think that our police aren't going to respond. Now, now it's more like, okay, it's a reality and we all are recognizing that the police isn't maybe being run the best. But back then that wasn't something that people really focused on was that, you know, that 911 operator yeah. did not do that family justice in any way, shape or form. Yeah, And I think now it's coming to light that for a lot of minorities, that's right on par for mm-hmm. how 911 has always treated calls that we make. Because there have been times where I've known people or been a part of situations where depending on where you're calling from and what your name is, you're not going to get as quick of a response Mm -hmm. versus like, if you're calling like Woodward park area in Fresno, like the cops are going to be there in a second (laughs) versus where the Weston case took place off of Belmont near the railroad tracks. Like, and it was Hispanic women calling. You're not going to get the response. So this was kind of right on cue for, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely definitely on brand for you know where we were at during that time and um, you know like you said in general just kind of involving minorities and locale and things like that. Um, I wonder if part of the story was just so dark and so bizarre that people almost didn't want to go down that rabbit hole because I think even as you start to gather some of this information, you almost feel like a little dirty, like reading it and, you know, kind of taking this information in so and trying to relate to the situation. So I wonder if it potentially was too deep for many people to where they didn't really want to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility too. And then we talk about it as well. Like we were just coming off of the whole Lacey Peterson stuff and all of the trial and everything going on. And that was in the news for months, like Mm -hmm. all that was going on. And it was just in Modesto, which isn't too far from us. So it could have been this case of like burnout, like you hear all of this tragic stuff about this. And now here's this even bigger, like more intense tragedy. And it could have been, I mean, and it's very taboo. That is a very taboo subject that people are not like readily wanting to talk about like molestation and incest and rape. And so, and then also a cult. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's checked a lot of taboo boxes. That's for sure. It was definitely a very, very heavy case. Very, very taboo. Um, So let's talk about um, both of you. I think you guys have great chemistry first and foremost, kind of throughout your episodes. Uh, So I think just from the chemistry alone, it's entertaining. But when you're talking about covering like heavy and gruesome topics, 
yet you're still able to keep it, you know, respectfully entertaining and respectfully lighthearted. Mm-hmm. How important do you think that is to kind of, you know, your podcast approach in general? Oh, I think that's super important. Uh, a lot of the podcasts we listen to about true crime, because we listen to both kind of more serious mm-hmm. ones and then some with humor. Um, we're kind of in this happy medium where we definitely try to take, when we're talking about the cases, we keep it pretty serious. Obviously, sometimes things come up unrelated to the victims that are funny, like, Sometimes we burst into song randomly, especially Amber's <laughs> lived in a lot of places where they have theme songs for a lot of stuff that I have never heard about. So as we go through the Midwest, Amber's singing these little jingles of things she remembers. Um, but I think it's important too, because it kind of gives this lightness to it that, yeah, we're talking about heavy things and we want to remember this and we want to remember these victims, but it's not all like, we don't have to be sad about it every second of the time like mm-hmm. these victims lived great lives so we like talking too about the positivity of some of it i know in my case about the halloween killer we kind of talked about this little girl wanted to dress up as a butterfly and her mom made her leave the house as dressed as a hobo because it was cold and like just we kind of related yeah. it to us like she was just this little girl the same way we are where we would always get kind of frustrated when our parents would dress us up and things that we didn't want yeah. it and yeah, so it's just keeping it light, I think, is really important. Because the And also, the you know, the victims, they've had joy in their lives, too. And it's not just their murder isn't the divine, defining thing about them. And so making sure, like, we do try to tell their stories and so how warm. And then we even have times where, like, we have survivors. So there might be some murder, but, you know, there's survivors. So the Utah cabin murders I did, the two daughters survived this horrific thing. And the dad survived after being shot multiple times. And so we have some lightheartedness because, you know, you think about like, oh man, okay, they're surviving. And so you just want to focus kind of some on positive. And then there are some times when things happen that are funny. So my Colorado one, he was turned out to be a mass murderer, but like he did some funny shit. Like he dressed up like this cowboy and he, he was really weird. And so like kind of making fun of that is I think, okay. Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. Colorado was a funny episode. Cause I also had the Spider-Man, the guy who yeah. lived up in the attic, like this tiny little attic, this dude lived up there. So they called him the Denver Spider-Man because when the cops actually got there to look, they were like, like a spider couldn't fit in here. Like what is going on? Like, cause it was such a tiny little living yeah. space, but yeah, so we, we do, and definitely we feel like it's free reign to make fun of the killers because mm-hmm. most often they're not, they're douchebags. So we're going to call them <laughs> out and we're going to make fun of them because yeah. that's kind of what they deserve. Yeah. So. Selena and I don't mind sharing our opinions on anything. So like you very much know where we stand on everything. We're not ones that like sugarcoat it and are just like, oh, maybe then, you know, no, I'm going to tell you exactly what I think and I'm okay with that. Yeah. If you don't like it, that's okay. Yeah. Or maybe you disagree. Think- and of course you have the right to do that that it's your platform you know so i think i think a lot of people sometimes we do try to get too politically correct because you're worried about what if one person listens and they get upset about it? it's like well they don't have to listen they're going to enjoy as well so um you want to you know still maintain that authenticity and not feel like you have to censor yourself for something that you put so much work into it's Mm -hmm. not like this is our primary job and we're getting you know paid for this um so yeah, I mean, embrace it. Embrace, you know, the opportunity to put your own content and opinions out there. And if people like it, they like it. If it sparks a debate or conversation, then that's great. More attention around your platform as well. So, yeah. 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 We definitely encourage them to reach out to us. Let us know if they disagreed with something, like tell us. And we're totally willing to admit if we misinterpreted something and mm-hmm. they, they know more about it, let us know. Like we're 
Yeah, we're open to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's talk, um, you know, your introductions into podcasting in general, because have either one of you been a part of a podcast before State of Murder? Oh, no, no. So <laughs> let's talk about that origin, because I know for this, for this, this happens to be my second podcast project that I've been a part of. But going into it, I, I found myself talking myself out of doing it more than I was talking myself into it, you know, doing it. Uh, what were your guys' kind of feelings going into it? And what made you finally decide to pull the trigger and just get it started? We just decided, hey, let's do something fun. Like, if it works, great. If not, at least we tried it. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, because we talked about, we talk about this stuff regularly anyway. So this was kind of just, let's see if other people want to listen to us talk about this stuff. Um, definitely, we've gotten better as we go. So thanks to all of our listeners who <laughs> stick with us because listening to those first episodes, it's like, no, those were kind of rough. Like we're yeah. getting used to the editing process. Yeah. Sound quality, we're still working on. And yeah, but and then, like right after our first few episodes, COVID hit. And so then it was like scrambling to figure out, okay, we have to be apart. How are we going to handle that? but like even still powering through that. So, and I think that the easiest thing is that Selena and I are really good friends. And I think one of the reasons why we really decided to do a podcast is because we got split up at work. And so we didn't work in the same office anymore. We work in separate buildings, we do separate things. And so we didn't have that opportunity to have that time together and share and have like this kind of just fun engagement that we were so used to having for 40 hours a week. And now we have zero hours a week together. And so we were like, okay, let's, let's finally do it. We've talked about it. Let's just do it. Fight the bullet and do it. Yeah. And it's surprisingly like, I mean, it wasn't overly difficult for us to kind of get started. We came up with a plan. We are really blessed with mm -hmm. very gifted brothers. So Amber's brother does all of our like artwork for things. He's helping set up our website. He's done all of like the technical stuff. My brother's very musically gifted. So he did our theme intro music. He also, it contributed to some funny intros in our podcast because we tell funny stories about him. Like it just worked out for us that way. We found mics online. We were both pretty good at technology. It mm -hmm. just worked out. So we haven't had too much struggles, but we're learning as we go. So, yeah. Yeah, no, no, that, that's awesome. I know kind of the origins of, you know, my first project, uh, Fan Culture Podcast. It was a sports podcast with, you know, me and three of my friends, uh, where whenever we were together, we would have these constant conversations about sports, like to the point that, like, it would drive my wife crazy. It would drive you know, my friends go from crazy because just like we would talk for like an hour straight and pay like no attention to them while we're discussing sports and things like that. So uh, we did kind of get to the point where we were like, well, why don't we just start something together and see if people want to participate in the conversation, see if people want to listen. And then as we started, like you see people are paying attention and it's like, I guess it kind of, you know, builds up your confidence. But at the same time, we had kind of gotten to the point where it's like, I don't care if anyone listens, if no one listens and that's fine. If we decide mm -hmm. we want to end it then great we'll end it and go from there but uh, I think that initial just jump to just do it is the biggest thing um you know just like you both mentioned you'll figure things out as you go I mean I'm still consider myself very amateur like mm -hmm. though my editing and stuff I don't do all the editing that these top podcasts that get hundreds and thousands of views you know viewers do um but I figured out something that works for me you know ultimately right now and I'll get better down the road um but definitely once COVID hit, I think that kind of a lot of people had to think on the fly and figure out how they were going to keep their podcasts up and running. 
Like for example, uh, we were recording out of CMAC downtown and you know, CMAC had obviously closed down. So it's like, well, what are we gonna do? And you know, then we transitioned to doing Zoom calls and we're still you know, doing that you know, to this day right now. So um, yeah, just kind of jumping in and just figuring out on the fly, you know, don't worry about you know, having the perfect podcast because you're not gonna have the perfect podcast. You're never gonna have the perfect podcast in general, but you, know, you can always try to look to find ways to improve. I think that's, that's definitely crucial. Um, so let's talk about the feedback that you have gotten so far regarding State of Murder. Uh, what have some people said? What feedback have people given you about the podcast? So mostly it's been like people we know, friends have reached out to us and said they were really interested. Um, I had one of uh, my friends in Sydney, you know her, Crystal, she, uh, she would text me after listening to every episode and she would put in her two cents. She'd be like, this is what me and Oscar thought about this. And she would like <laughs> tell us what was going on. So we're like, cool. It seems like people are listening. Surprisingly, I had my grandpa tell me that he really enjoyed it. I don't know if he's actually like, listening to the content or if he just likes hearing that it's me like talking about this kind of stuff but hey I mean we're spanning generations now Mm -hmm. I guess (laughs) I think the funnest thing that we do is because you can look on and see where like where your listenership is and the fact that our listeners have been all over the world is so crazy to me because I'm like how what (laughs) so like why are we like why is a tenth of our audience in the United Kingdom I don't know (laughs) you know I know I know people in Germany so I understood the Germany I was like okay I know who those people are listening (laughs) but like we're getting all these other places places in like Scandinavia and like the Czech Republic the Czech Republic (laughs) and you're just like what (laughs) so that's pretty cool like it's nice yeah we get listeners australia all up and down california we've listeners um and so yeah it's been great um we noticed too we can tend to see like okay we might have more listeners in this state because certain episodes get way more listens because we're like okay either people really like it or that's their state and they like want to know what's going on which which is it makes it a little hard because you're like okay are they interested in the case that we're talking about or is it just the fact that we're talking about their state but but like nebraska of our biggest ones and I have a lot of family in Nebraska so either they're not listening which is a real asshole thing for them to do not you know listen to my podcast <laughs> and share it because I would thought Nebraska and California probably would be some of our top well but California is, is our top, but that was also because it was our first episode so I think people were just clicking on to like see what it was all about so right. yeah but don't judge us on our first couple no, episodes because while the cases are great I feel like we're gonna have to go back and maybe revisit them so that way the quality is a little better because we're still learning our editing wasn't so great so which I think we're open and honest about even in those episodes we're like hey this is our first podcast hey this is our second podcast like bear with us as we grow Mm -hmm. and yeah I definitely think I mean I don't listen to every single one of our episodes because you know I just don't because I think I don't know how you feel but it's weird listening to yourself I feel bad for Selena because she does all of our editing and I was like oh god I cannot do that I cannot listen over and over again to my voice yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I obviously do the editing, editing for my own podcast, but, you know, listening to like a one hour episode and mind you, I'm listening to it like a several times. So it's like mm-hmm. four hours to edit a one hour episode. Like I'm sick of hearing my voice by that point. So once I put it out, I usually don't listen to it again. I just yeah. put it out and just move on to the next one because I don't want to hear my voice anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But talking about the the demographics of you, you know, your listeners is really cool because, you know, same thing, I post the podcast on Anchor and that's where I get like the demographic breakdown mm-hmm. and stuff from uh, having listeners from Afghanistan. 
it's like, I don't know anyone in Afghanistan. <laughs> I don't know who the one person is, but seeing like, you know, 1% or 2% of your viewership mm -hmm. is from, you know, Afghanistan is pretty cool. It's like, yeah, someone's listening to it. I don't yeah. know if they're continuing to listen into it, but hey, they found my podcast somehow. You know, little old me from Fresno, California. So that's pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, so what do you enjoy most about podcasting? Oh, um, I think I just enjoy it. Like Amber said, we're really good friends and I just mm -hmm. enjoy it. It's really like we're just hanging out. Like, yeah, we can't hang out in person right now, but it's nice that that's our catch up. Like we get to catch up at the end part of our week and just say, Hey, like, and usually like, we'll just hit record and we just kind of talk about our own stuff. And like, sometimes that's where we get a lot of our funny intros is us talking. So if anyone's listened to the, like, if you've listened to Illinois, the beginning intro is us trying to time our clapping on our recording, like to try to get it right. And so we just like have fun yeah. with it and we start recording things and, um, it's just a really nice catch up with a friend that we get to tell each other these stories and yeah. talk about it. And just kind of share our world experiences too. So, I mean, I have been to a lot of the states that we have so far talked about. So I have experiences and I like share, I, I like sharing about myself. I'm, I'm conceited. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I think that's really fun and just getting each other's opinions all because like a lot of times we do lean towards the same politically and just like fundamentally and just our backgrounds are very similar when it comes to education and everything, but there are still differences between us. I mean, Selena has a definite, like we have a definite age difference, uh, definitely ethnic, like our ethnicities aren't the same. And so we get like these different perspectives of the world and I love hearing her opinion on things. And so like, even when I'm writing my stories, I'm like, oh, I can't wait until, cause I already know Selena's got something to say about this. And so like, and then waiting for her to have that response is so much fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I definitely enjoy listening to you guys. And yeah, like you said, you're just ultimately having fun with it. Um, and listeners, you know, viewers can, can feel that. I think that's what makes people, you know, continue to come back because Sure, they could go to another podcast, but is it going to be dry? Is it just going to be stating the facts? Uh, people want to be entertained. They want to have something to continue to come back for. Um, you know, people listen to me for an hour on an episode, and it's like, why are you listening to me for an hour? You know, we don't even talk regularly, but uh, because of, you know, how you present yourself, they they still tune in regularly. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, so what is next for State of Murder? I know you guys are well over 20 episodes in now, and you've before you know it, you're going to have the, all 50 states covered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, this week's episode is going to be 25. 25 so we're halfway there. Yeah. Okay. So, 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 what, so what's next? I think we're going to, I'd like to, once we hit all 50 states, I think doing the territories would be good. So like Guam, Puerto Rico, things like that. Um, and then, I mean, we do have a lot of international listeners, so we might do, uh, like maybe pick a couple countries and like mm -hmm. do some cases um and ultimately I think just backtracking we're good I mean there's more cases to study because even too like sometimes we are researching what case we want to do and there's more than one mm -hmm. that we're like okay which one do I want to do right now or which one sounds good like and so going back and being able to pick other episodes um because even too in California there's so many and oh. I know Marcus Wesson was what we had our hearts set on of starting our podcast um mm -hmm. because it was something that was close to both of us but like up and down California you can find more so being able to do 
the states over again would be good. Hey, as long as people are listening to us, we'll yeah. keep going. So. And maybe even folk, I, I've thought about focusing, you know, on some things that are, you know, maybe have a commonality through certain things. So one of my friends who listens, he's from Texas and he wanted us to cover, oh man, I'm, I'm gonna, I can't think of her name right Vanessa. now. The, you're showing up the soldier? Yeah, the soldier, thank you. Um, and uh, like that, yeah, yeah, and so there's, there's a lot of stories like hers that aren't ever told and are kind of covered up. And so maybe doing some themed stories, um, telling a lot of people's like stories very, you know, in a kind of condensed way, just so that you can hear about all these things that aren't necessarily covered or covered up, mm -hmm. really. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely not opposed to you guys just doing another lap around the US. <laughs> uh, it's, it's been it's been fun so far. Like you said, you're about to be 25 episodes in. So that is tremendous. You guys are pushing out this content fast, especially with having do, you know, doing so much thorough research to be able to post weekly is awesome. Um, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up right now. Um, but hang on for like a minute after we do the whole closing and we'll talk about a couple particulars and stuff. Okay. All right. So uh, State of Murder, thank you guys for joining us, Selena and Amber. It's been a blast. Uh, where can people check you guys out at? So you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at SOM Podcast. Uh, you can listen to us pretty much anywhere that podcasts are available. Just look for State of Murder and we pop up. Um, but yeah, and we also have a website, www.stateofmurder.com, where you can find bonus content, our resources that we use, little summaries of the episodes in case you want to know more than what's, what we write on the um, actual episode itself. So, yeah. Cool, cool. All right. Well, uh, again, thank you, Selena and Amber, so much. It's been a great episode. Uh, to listeners, to the viewers, thank you guys for tuning in again. And until next time, peace. Bye.